Hi, everybody. Welcome to the April 10th, 2020 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Kazuti. Thank you very much for joining us again in our remote locations as we join you in dealing with this uh, COVID crisis. Let's begin with getting a quick take on the various political wranglings over ventilators of the federal government. Usually this is a Colorado-based show, but this time Colorado was involved in national headlines. Governor Polis tried to order 500 ventilators, but his order was actually uh, took over by the federal government. And then President Trump later tweeted this week that 100 ventilators were coming to Colorado thanks to Cory Gardner. So how does this all work out? Let's go to Patty Calhoun from Westward First. Patty, the various political shenanigans going on with ventilators in Colorado and the federal government. Well, ironic that there would be so much hot air wasted on this topic. It's true that Polis was taking the, um, was being proactive, was trying to find sourcing for ventilators as he has for other PPE supplies. And in this case, the feds did, did bigfoot him. On the other hand, there are places that need them more than us right now. What we didn't need was the subsequent fight and the, tweets from Trump and the gardener taking credit. Let's be glad we're getting 100, and let's hope we don't need more. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Uh, I guess for something like this, people who are already going to support Cory Gardner are going to thank him for 100 ventilators. People that weren't going to vote for him weren't going to give him credit. And it didn't seem that it, it really, at the end, goes anywhere for anybody involved. Perhaps I'm being cynical. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I agree with Governor Polis, who said it's great to have 100 more ventilators. Um, and thanks to Cory Gardner uh, for doing it. Uh, you know, as with toilet paper, uh, a few weeks ago, lots of governments are trying to uh, snarf up all the ventilators they can. Uh, the governor originally asked for 10,000. Uh, the Federal Emergency Management Agency uh, eventually offered him 500. And then they, they did snatch them and, and reallocate them. Uh, presumably to places, hopefully, uh, as Patty said, uh, that needed them immediately, like New York City or, or Detroit or Chicago. Uh, Representative Diana DeGette is right to say that the, the FEMA allocation process uh, should be more transparent, which it certainly isn't. Uh, but that's, that's the nature of, of wartime, centralized federal government uh, allocation of resources. And, and those who want Trump to be uh, saying he's not been sufficiently dictatorial so far in taking over everything in the supply chain. If you want more of that, uh, then that, that this is how things are going to go. Eric Sonnen, political analyst and columnist with Colorado Politics. Uh, I get the point about the, the federal government being able to reallocate. So being able to step on that order and saying Detroit or Chicago, somewhere else, that totally makes sense to me. But I think the Denver Post made a good point in their editorial that's saying, well, if an order is going to come to Colorado, whatever amount is credited because we have a Republican senator and not a Democratic senator, there there seems to be probably a fair issue with that. What are your thoughts? Politicization of this, Dominic, uh, too much politics involved in this. Uh, Cory Gardner has been very active, uh, obviously, on the ventilator front. Good for him. Uh, very active on the mask front. Good for him as well. You would almost think there was an election coming up or a re-election for him, but I'm sure that's uh, uh, incidental to this. But uh, anything that he can bring here, more power to him. But this notion of the president then tweeting out and using his White House briefing to plug Cory Gardner, I think we could keep uh, politics out of this to the extent possible and this whole notion that all of us are supposed to turn toward Washington, D.C. and genuflect for 100 ventilators, yes, 
those are 100 ventilators we didn't have before. Um, but in a wartime, let's uh, let's have a fewer politics in a wartime environment. Rounding up the panel, Natasha Gardner, articles editor of 5280. Natasha, it seemed that Governor Polis, uh, I guess, didn't take the political bait on this one, said, hey, 100 ventilators are great, wonderful, let's move forward. Uh, as we look back, unfortunately, in this political uh, year, this being in the rear view mirror, what are your thoughts? Well, I think he took the exact right tone. This is not a moment to get political. This is about life and death decisions. This is about making sure the Coloradans are safe, but also people across the country and across the world are safe. I think that the partisan uh, conversations around this really hide the problem, which is the, the fact that our medical system was, was so poorly prepared for this extremely unique and, and hard to prepare for scenario. But I think everything from ventilators to PPEs to how we get our frontline workers the the necessary equipment that they need to keep themselves safe and to keep their families safe. That's really what is, I think, the most shocking part of this, not who got what ventilators when. And hopefully that's what people can focus on right now rather than political parties. Here, here. Let's get to it. This week, Governor Polis announced the extension of the statewide stay-at-home order until the end of the month. Meanwhile, he continues to face pressure to freeze rent and mortgage payments, most recently from petitions submitted by teachers unions. Also this week, the state legislature announced that it will return to work on May 18th, where it will face a projected $2 billion shortage in tax revenue due to the COVID crisis. Meanwhile, the JBC committee also announced the differences in how they're going to handle the state budget. Patty, we'll go to you first. A lot of things to break down here between the governor announced extending the stay-at-home order to the legislature trying to figure out what to do next. Uh, what did you make of the announcements? Well, the stay-at-home order is the most interesting right now because Colorado's is actually fairly short compared to some others, some other states. And Colorado's, in fact, is shorter than Denver's, which goes till the 30th. It could change. Polis always is leaving it open depending on how the numbers go. But what is fascinating is as he continues talking about social distancing, how important it is that people stay away from each other, how important it is that people wear masks. If you were out and about last weekend, you noticed that a lot of people are still not paying attention to that order. Clear Creek County has just closed its county roads to anyone who's not a resident. There are a lot of people, especially in the mountains, who are concerned that social distancing is not working or people aren't observing it enough to make it work. And I wouldn't be surprised if Governor Polis winds up having to push back that order if people don't behave. He clearly wants to get the economy going. I don't know if he really wants to get the legislature back in because I can't imagine what a mess that is going to be. But unless people observe social distancing, we are not going to get begin getting back to business on April 26th. Dave, there's a lot to break down here. I'm going to actually ask you a, a, a somewhat personal question because your father, Jerry Copel, was one of the go-to folks when it came to how the legislature did, it business, did its business. He knew all the ins and outs and was respected across the aisle for his knowledge. If he was to look at the situation of how the legislature is trying to do their business, what do you think he'd recommend? What, what are, is the legislature going about restarting itself the right way? Well, no, he was one of the legislators in 1988 who uh, followed the lead of his good friend, fellow classical liberal Democrat Wayne Knox, uh, to pass the Gavel Amendment, uh, which limited the state, the regular legislative session to 120 calendar days, which is everybody who speaks English knows means 120 days in a row. Uh, so he would say that 
the, the proper thing to do would be for the legislature to adjourn on May 6th when the 120 calendar days are up. And then, of course, have a special session called by the governor and or, or the legislature. You know, on these, um, uh, the, the idea of a so-called rent freeze or mortgage uh, payment freeze uh, proposed by the some of the far left and which includes a fair amount of the uh, the Democrats in the state legislature, it's really the same issue as those idiotic talking heads on CNN who say, why doesn't the president issue a national stay-at-home order? Well, reason one is he doesn't have the power to do it. Nothing in the Constitution uh, gives the the president that kind of minute dictatorial power over uh, individual homes. And the the same thing is true on the rent freeze or the, the mortgage freeze. The Colorado Constitution's Bill of Rights prohibits any law, quote, impairing the obligation of contracts. There is no emergency exception for it. And in fact, it was ratified with the historical understanding that emergencies occur. And that's exactly when the pressure is greatest for the government to destroy valid contracts. We had emergencies in the Colorado Territory in 1861 when we were in serious danger of being conquered by a Confederate invasion from New Mexico. And even more so in 1864-65 in the Colorado War with the Arapaho, the Cheyenne, the Sioux, uh, the Comanche and, and the, the Kiowa, uh, where the Colorado Territory was wiped out. Our founders wrote a constitution that didn't have exceptions uh, for violations of people's rights. You know, Eric, as I looked at it, it was maybe a minor part of the week, but the fact that we had a live address from our governor, um, I can't remember the last time seeing one myself. I may have missed one, but that seemed to be somewhat of an historic moment, at least for me. Uh, how did it feel to you? Was it truly historic? Are there past governor addresses for a live prime or close to a primetime audience that I might be missing? I don't think you're missing anything, Dominic. I I was trying to rack my own brain uh, watching that uh, speech on Monday night. My memory goes back somewhat to John Love, uh, certainly to my mentor, Dick Lamb, whose administration I was a part of. And I can't come up with any equivalents that, uh, that strike my mind of that kind of a uh, address uh, the state version of an Oval Office address, this one from the governor's mansion. Uh, let me go big picture here. Uh, two thoughts. First of all, with respect to April 26th and the governor's order, one can only hope that is true. I think the danger is that the governor gets people's hopes and expectations up that we're only really two weeks this weekend away from that date. And then if it doesn't prove to be feasible, doesn't prove to be warranted by the data, then people's hopes get dashed again. So obviously he's playing a very careful balancing act of being data-driven, but also understanding that uh, uh, he's dealing with people's emotions and people's uh, individual psychology and mental health here and having to be very careful with it. Big picture in terms of the legislature coming back in mid-May, what we're going to see as they wrestle with this budget is only the tip of the iceberg. Politics in this state are going to be changed a long period of time by this virus. We're going to go from a state of surplus in terms of money, a a boom state, to one of real scarcity. Uh, They're now looking at $2 billion, billion with a B. That is a big number in the state budget that they're going to need to cut. But again, I think that's the tip of the iceberg in terms of what you're perhaps looking at over the coming years. Natasha, you and I are the notorious optimists of the CIO table. Um, What do you think is better for a leader like Governor Polis to put out a date of like May 15th and then let everyone know or and then say, hey, surprise, we actually were 
we're better sooner and we can all go out on April 30th or to keep doing it in these kind of couple week increments, which as Eric pointed out, might be kind of depressing every couple of weeks if we need, need to extend it. Uh, what do you think is a better way to go? Well, a word I keep on hearing from people in the community is grace, that, you know, as we went into these stay-at-home orders, the people needed to show grace to each other. Um, this is an uncomfortable time for everyone involved. And I think as we look at moving into a post-stay-at-home order world, it's the same word that applies. We'll need grace. Um, I don't think there's any correct way to do this. If you put an optimistic date out there, people will be upset. If you push it too far down the line, people will be upset. There is no in-between because no one wants to be in this moment. And no one wants to be doing this right now. But I do believe, you know, Polis um, has, a, and I don't want to call it a beneficial because, again, no one wants to be in this moment, but it will have the ability to look at other municipalities municipalities, other states to see what they've done and what's working well. You know, this week, we're really starting to get some first reports out of China as they start to reopen um, their world in different ways. And we'll be able to learn from lessons, some lessons from that, um, as well as other countries across the world and even within the United States ourselves. So Colorado won't be the first, I'm guessing, to do any of these things. So we'll be able to learn a few things from those moments. But I just think that as we, we start to do that, as people have already mentioned with the legislature, um, you know, businesses, this is not the type of thing where we will be able to flip a switch and, and things will be up and running again. Our, our life before this will continue immediately. It's going to take some time. And that could be everything from a restaurant that needs to get their food supply and get their staff up again to rethink what a restaurant experience looks like. Um, but that could be for businesses too, particularly as parents still don't have um, options for childcare. So all of this will take a lot of time to sort out. And that's where I'm going to keep on going back to that word grace, because we're going to need a lot of it in the coming weeks. Uh, grace is a good word to go with Natasha. I will echo that considerably, especially the kind of holidays we're all celebrating uh, that many people are celebrating this week and this weekend. Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold has decided to implement the full investigative authority given to her office under legislation passed last session. Rather than solely rely on public complaints of campaign finance misconduct, her office has begun filing its own complaints to start investigations. Former Republican secretaries of state worry that this is a partisan power grab. Uh, Dave, we go to you on this one first. Uh, this is kind of a legal breakdown here, which is uh, your sweet spot. Uh, it seems like there was a law passed last year that gives Jenna Griswold this right, but is it the right thing to implement right now? Well, obviously, the, the majority in the legislature and, and Jenna Griswold thinks so. She's the one who lobbied to get this bill passed last year to, to give her more power. And so, of course, she's going to use it. The, the national big money Democratic machinery, which thinks long term and, and probably does a better job of that than the, its counterparts on the Republican side, uh, has been working very hard to elect secretaries of state who don't just manage the ordinary business of state government, like making sure that bingo games are run according to the, the rules, but who have, have very strong political agendas. And we will see how she does in, in her new role as a grand inquisitor uh, over state elected officials and, and state employees. And it's possible she will be even handed and fair. Eric, what do you think about this? Because to me, anytime you write a law thinking that it's going to be a good thing for one party, just wait long enough in Colorado and somebody from the other party is going to have that same power is this going to become a partisan issue? And really, at the level of Secretary of State, which has to be, and it's hard not to be, but has to be the least partisan position in state government, uh, what do you think? 
I think your question somewhat answers itself, uh, Dominic. Jenna Griswold is a very able person, but she is also probably the most nakedly ambitious Colorado Secretary of State that I can remember. The amount of press releases I get from her office on a daily basis, you would think she's the U.S. Secretary of State instead of the, the Colorado Secretary of State. Politics around here is sufficiently weaponized at the moment with both both parties that if there are abuses of campaign finance law or any other campaign laws, somebody is going to file a complaint. I'm not sure that we need uh, Jenna Griswold going after and affirmatively looking for wrongs as opposed to much more adjudicating and refereeing the wrongs that are brought to her. Obviously, the legislature thought differently during the last session. If there was a real role for Jenna Griswold to play during this particular environment, it would be as an evangelist for Colorado's vote-by-mail system, which is going to become so important this fall in so many states around the country. That, to my thinking, is where Jenna Griswold ought to be spending her time and could do a real service by becoming a national figure, as I said, a national evangelist for voting-by-mail and let some of these other partisan games go for the time being. Natasha, what do you think? Can this be done correctly? Can Jenna Griswold walk this seemingly political tightrope without it looking like a partisan issue, especially if uh, her first investigations are Republicans? I'm going to be optimistic, since that's my role, and say that there's absolutely an opportunity for that, and it 100% should be a nonpartisan issue. Um, I think we've already sort of explain why that's so important right now on this show. But in, in, in any moment, in any election cycle, in any campaign finance, campaign finance issue, it should be a nonpartisan issue. So I, I'm going to be optimistic and hope that that can be the case. And if it's not, then we should address it and take care of it. One of the things that's for me interesting that um, with this particular issue and, and the relation of having the public be a watchdog on issues is how much does the public right now have the opportunity to sit down and look at campaign finance filings and figure out where these things are going wrong? And this isn't just for campaign finance. This is for you know, a variety of other issues where we really rely on um, private citizens or, or, or groups to look for things that are not going well. Um, and I just worry about the bandwidth for those people to tackle that at the same time that they're dealing with a very difficult economy. You know, their kids might be at home. Um, the world as we know it has changed dramatically. So maybe, again, I'm going for the optimism here, but maybe this is a time where a few more eyeballs on a topic could be helpful because the normal people who would be watching this are probably a little busy right now. Uh, You will find no bigger fan of your optimism, Natasha, than me. So uh, I I think good on you for that. Uh, Patty, what about you? What do you think that uh, Jenna Griswold's chances of, I guess, she asked for this minefield and now she has to kind of walk through it. Can it be done correctly? It can be done correctly, but Erica's right. She is sending out more press releases right now. It's a good reminder of, oh, wow, things are actually happening in the world, in the, in the state, that we have no idea are going on because we're focusing on other things. So, one, you hope everything else we should know about, we are learning about, too, in one way or another. I think, Natasha, all those people who are at home and busy, all the people who are sending me the pictures of the woman who Zoomed as a potato, I think they can spend their time looking through all the campaign finance reports and find out what skullduggery is going on. I have to agree there are going to be bigger things for Jenna Griswold to focus on in the months to come. And that is certainly making sure that our upcoming election, we have the primary, we have the November election, 
make sure everything is as clean and fair and transparent as possible. We had zoomed as a potato and skullduggery all in one take. Patty, first of all, well done. This is the service we're bringing you to uh, bringing to all of our CIO viewers. You're welcome, Colorado. We're happy to be here for you. Let's get a quick take on this last topic. This week, public defense attorneys petitioned the Colorado Supreme Court to make statewide uniform rules regarding reducing jail populations to slow the spread of COVID-19. The Colorado Supreme Court immediately rejected the request, preferring to leave rulemaking up to individual jurisdictions. Eric, we're going to go to you on this one. Uh, there's a lot here when it comes to how the prison populations are being treated and should be treated moving forward. Your quick take on this one. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough issue, Dominic, and a quick take is hard, but I will try. Uh, obviously, prisons, jails are sort of petri dishes for a virus like this, not all, all that unlike uh, nursing homes and, and uh, other such facilities. Uh, and you have, in some respects, uh, a population with, susceptible to this kind of virus, not all that healthy a lifestyle. I think the Colorado Supreme Court made the right call, leave this up to local, uh, leave this up to local jurisdictions. If there are prisoners who can be safely released to temporarily reduce jail populations, great, let's do that. But uh, I don't think uh, that we want to release wholesale numbers of prisoners because uh, in that case, the cure excuse the pun, might be worse than the disease. And while we're talking about inmates, let's also remember guards who are the ones also equally at risk here and equally susceptible. Natasha, you've done a great deal of work covering uh, what goes on in our prisons, the the entire uh, criminal justice system. Uh, What do you think of the decisions that went down this week? Well, again, this is a situation where we're able to watch what's happening in other places around the world and around the country and and make some um, informed decisions about what to do there. I, I think for this, the, the main point I would like to, to make is that there are people who are watching this and who are taking care of it. So uh, in relation to the last conversation, there are watchdogs in the community that are, are making sure that um, these populations are, are being taken care of and, and being considered in, in the greater conversations. Because yeah, isolating, um, staying at a safe distance, that's just not a practicality in the environment in which they live. So kudos to those people for that work. Patty, it's a big topic for a short take, even at the ACLU and Will County and lawsuits and everything else. But what are your thoughts on this issue? Well, all jails are not created equal in Colorado. So some are complying, even though the Supreme Courts came down, um, didn't accept that lawsuit. Denver is a very, very low. It's under 1,200 inmates right now, so way below where it normally is because they want to keep people safe. And a lot of counties, not even, we're not talking Weld County where you just have a contrarian as the sheriff, but other ones are doing their best they can. We also have the ICE issue, which is out in the facility in Aurora. What do you do with all the inmates that are stuck in, the detainees that are stuck so closely? So I think everyone's doing the best they can on a case-by-case basis. David, it's a tough one. A tough one to have a quick take on. But what's your final top, final take yeah, on this? I agree with everyone else that the Supreme Court was was right to say that it's not competent uh, to be the micromanager of all the the local jails around the uh, around the state because uh, conditions vary so much. Um, and I, I think in in Weld County, as as almost everywhere else, uh, jail intake is is way down. And only the uh, uh, the more dangerous uh, people are, are being put in jail in any kind of pre-trial setting. It's time for a very favorite part of the show, Disgrace the Week. As always, Miss Calhoun, please start us off. We are in a bumper sticker edition territory, about three minutes left in the show. 
Uh, the Texas Attorney General, very peeved that Texans can't go to Gunnison County for their second vacation homes because Gun- Gunnison County has declared itself off limits. Let Gunnison County take care of Gunnison County. David. Well, the Texas Attorney General defends the right of Texans, and they do have a constitutional right to interstate travel. Uh, but I'd say that the disgrace is people who persecute Chinese Americans or Asian Americans uh, because of the virus, which is obviously not their fault. So that's why I prefer, prefer to use the language of, of the newspaper Epoch Times, which is a Pulitzer Prize winning newspaper that was founded by Chinese. And they call it the CCP virus to show them that the pandemic was caused by the evil Chinese Communist Party dictatorship and not by the innocent people of China or innocent Chinese anywhere else in the world. Eric. Well, I got into it with David a couple of weeks ago about naming this virus, but I will agree certainly with the first half of his statement about uh, any discrimination or prejudice against Chinese Americans or Asian Americans is completely out of place. Also, real quickly, the president's daily press briefing has become a sideshow. It's become a campaign rally. It is short on information. Let's put Vice President Pence, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks up there. But uh, the president is not doing himself a service here. Natasha. The PPE shortage, both in the United States and across the world, is just a disgrace. Time to say something nice. Patty. No sunrise sunrise service at Red Rocks for the first time in years, but it will be live. There will be a live stream you can watch. David, the people of Taiwan who have the most successful model of how to fight the virus without shutting down the country. Too bad that the, the CCP controlled so-called World Health Organization won't even acknowledge that Taiwan exists, let alone share the story of its successful good practices. Eric. I'm going to go to a word Natasha used early in the show, the word being grace. Everyone out there who is dealing with this kind of a crisis, personal and societal, with as much grace as possible, good on you. And also very quickly, happy birthday wishes to my son, Clark. (laughs) Natasha. Uh, Really quick, the bright lights in Denver, the howling at the moon at eight, and New Zealand for clarifying that the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy are, in fact, essential workers. (laughs) <laughs> it was good to see that. Uh, I want to say something nice for a good friend of mine. Nikki Arevalo came up with, I'm trying to talk over, a really cool mask. Sent us a couple. She's also making them not only for friends and neighbors, but also for some first responders and healthcare workers that she is close to. So, Nikki, good on you. Thank you. And everybody else, Mrs. Calhoun included, all the folks who are making masks for people uh, that are uh, helpful out there. Uh, we should be wearing them outside, and we hope that you do the same. And on behalf of everybody here at Colorado Inside Out and PBS 12, we hope all of you, if you enjoy it, if you celebrate Passover or Easter or anything in between, that you have a wonderful one, a safe one, and that we can all enjoy them with uh, far greater uh, crowds next year. For everybody at PBS 12, I'm Dominic Gazzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night. <laughs>